Hi, Eric Bailey alongside Eli Letterman for the OU football, OU, OU basketball, OU softball podcast from the Tulsa world. Uh, Eli, it's great to see you again. And uh, here we are, week nine. This, this season's flying by. Got an important game with Baylor coming up. Um, final third of the season. And they're coming off back-to-back -back wins. A little bit of momentum going into the month of November. All right. Well, first, as is was evidenced in your intro there, it's, it's OU everything right now. It, it, it's beginning to feel like it's been football for so long, really, from the end of the College World Series to now. But now we got hoops creeping up, softball and gymnastics schedules dropping. So it's OU everything. And it it feels like this week we've, we've not spent a lot of Saturdays in Norman. Um, you, you started last month with two games in Texas and then uh, home for Kansas, but a bye week, a trip to Iowa State. It's going to be, I don't know, it feels weird that we'll be, we'll be in Norman Saturday. Uh, but it is, a, a, as they all are, I think, at this point, as the Sooners head into the final stretch, it's another big one and a, a, probably a better measuring stick of where this team is really at compared to last week in, in Ames. We were talking about this a little earlier, you know, before the season started, before the coaching changes happened with Oklahoma, this would have been the game probably to set up the Big 12 race. But now both teams sitting five and three, OU two and three in the conference, Baylor three and two in the conference. They're really uh, just not at the you know top two, three schools that we thought going into this game. Kind of an interesting dynamic. Games even on ESPN Plus, which is for Oklahoma <laughs> fans, they got to be shaking their heads. I don't. I would have never expected a Big 12 game to be on ESPN Plus for the Sooners with a 2 p.m. kickoff of all things. Uh, but that's where we're at right now. I mean, how many folks on Saturday do you imagine are going to be flipping the channels trying to find this game on, <laughs> on linear TV, on cable? But I think this is a testament to the Big 12 this year, to what it is, because in August, you know, we were probably talking about three and a half. Three, we probably would have said there were three schools, realistically, we might have seen competing for the Big 12 title. Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State. You could have gotten Kansas State or Texas into that conversation, but the fact that the two – I, what I would have looked at is probably the front-running fa favorites. Being five and three uh, on the first weekend of November, that speaks to just how balanced and kind of all over and in all the best ways this conference has been. Um, but but again, this this is like still a big one. Neither of these teams is going to go to the title game. Uh, I think mathematically they still could. But uh, I, I think for, for both Baylor and Oklahoma, like the, these are still really big. Uh, obviously for OU, it could be bowl eligibility, but – um, I'm, I'm excited to sort of see the atmosphere and see see how these teams show up. You know, there's going to be some players that will play in this game that we haven't seen for a while. And one of the players that we saw last week, uh, we really wasn't certain if he was going to play last week, was Billy Bowman. And uh, we've seen how much his absence from the defense has meant to this team. I mean, easily the best player on the defense. Playmaker and special teams, of course, was hurt October the 1st. Uh, during a return against TCU, has really worked hard to get back in the field. I remember this time last week, we it was probably doubtful he was going to play. Brent Venable said he was kind of rushing his rehab along, and lo and behold, he plays 40-plus uh, plays up in uh, Iowa State, and uh, you had a chance to talk to Billy. Uh, just your, your thoughts. I know you're going to write about him, too, but what's Billy think about going forward? How does he feel, and uh, how's, how'd the progress go? He was eager to be back. I think that we knew for sure for all the other maybe vagueness uh, in the lead up to his return. Brent Venable's voice that, you know, like you said, you know, they almost had to slow him down in his rehab because he just attacked it so hard and uh, was so vigorous in his his road to recovery back from like a right knee sprain. We never got the official exactly what it was. But, I mean, he had a brace on his right knee and it was something he had to work back from. As you said, I mean, he missed, you know, probably close to four weeks. It was only... 
uh, I think 11 quarters total, but uh, they, they really missed him. And, and the way he spoke on Monday night was, you know, he was dying to get back. He, he really liked how he'd been playing in the early part of the season. So it was killing him to be sidelined, but obviously there's, you, you got to recover from something like that. But as you said, Brent Venables was mum on it last week, said, you know, really can't predict a return date. And then there he was. And um, we learned that it was last week, it was a, the ramp up, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, increased action, no swelling, no no setbacks for Billy Bowman. That's what got him out there Saturday. And now as they go forward, you know, Brent Venables said he's there's no formula for this. He played 52% of the snaps. I did the math on it. Uh, of the possible snaps at Iowa State, you know, is it going to be 75%, 80 65 this weekend? I don't think Brent Venables knows. Uh, but from Billy Bowman's end, he feels great. Uh, and, and the funny thing is he's wearing this knee brace. And Brent Venables said Saturday, he doesn't like seeing his DBs out there in a brace. He just doesn't love it. Uh, but that really, it's up to Billy Bowman. And, and for Billy Bowman's sake, he said stability, comfort, uh, and also just that, that he likes it. He feels good with it out there. So uh, if, if that's all that matters, uh, is his health and, and him liking that knee brace. I think, you know, that bodes well for what he can do these these next four games, and, and we know how badly they need him. Another player that we don't know if we'll see him play is Damon Harmon. Uh, he, it, again, in the TCU game, scary moment, was down for about 20 minutes after suffering a head and neck injury, uh, taken off the field. We had a chance to talk to him for the first time. Damon, he worked out a little bit before pregame, before the Iowa State game. Uh, so we, we knew he was, he was suited out and ready to go. But we had a chance to talk to him and ask him, you know, exactly what happened during that game against TCU. And, man, it's just scary when he, you know, he, he relived the moment when he made the tackle. Uh, lost feeling on his right side of his body. He couldn't feel anything. He said his lips were even numb, and it was scary. He didn't get anything back, no feeling back, until he got to the hospital in Fort Worth. Uh, said he asked to talk to his mom. Can we call my mom just to let her know? Because he knew she was back home probably freaking out like any parent would because you just don't know what's going on. And um, thankfully recovered, uh, suffered a concussion, and what, there, what was described as a stinger. Uh, came home that night and had just they were working him back slowly and kind of like Billy Bowman, he tried to rush the process a little bit. He wanted to get back. You can tell these guys are anxious to get back on the field and he was able to suit out. He said it was a great feeling. And what was interesting, something we asked him too was, are, are you going to be, you know, kind of take it easy? Or, but no, he's going to go full go. He said, you know what? I only know one way to play and that's play tough, play strong. He credits his mom for that attitude, said she's the same way. She's a fighter. So when he does get on the field, in that defensive backfield, I think that's what we'll see. So it was really good to talk to someone like that, um, someone who, you know, went through, has a new perspective on everything, physically and mentally, what happens with injuries. Um, I want to ask you too, Eli, this is another uh, another blow to the running backs room when we found out yet last week about Javante Barnes uh, having a slight hamstring injury. And this is a running backs room, when you look at it, grand scheme of things, it's not too healthy. We saw Eric Gray come off the field at Iowa State. Uh, and he was in the medical tent for almost a half hour in real time. And it was, we were, I thought he might be out for the season, but then he came in and finished up. And then you have Marcus Major, who was injured at the beginning of the season. And it's just uh, from what Jeff Levy says, they just need to get him back full go, full 100%. So you're looking at your top three running backs deemed up going to this final third of the season. And that's got to be a concern when we consider just how important that running game has been to, to what offensive success Oklahoma's had this year, right? And so, I mean, Eric Gray, like you said, I mean, he spent most of that third quarter in the tent, managed to come back out and finish things off in the fourth. And and when healthy, he's running as well, I think, as anybody in the Big 12 right now. Mm -hmm. And so 
I mean, shoot, they've got to wrap Eric Gray up in, in whatever bubble wrap they can to make sure he gets through these next four or five games uh, because he's he's been crucial. But behind him, you know, part of that, part of keeping him healthy is having a secondary back that they feel they can trust and and rely on. And that had become Javante Barnes, whether it was performance or, or, or Marcus Major, uh, you know, injury keeping him aside. Javante Barnes is a true freshman had sort of been everything we'd heard about since the spring when he was that mid-year enrollee who came in and just looked ready. Uh, and, and here he is now. I mean, he had his probably his, his highest snap, uh, excuse me, carry count against Kansas, two touchdowns against the Jayhawks, and probably would have had a, a big role carved out at Iowa State if not for that hammy pull that now I think, you know, Brent Venable said thinks it'll probably be a game-time decision Saturday. I mean, you consider that that Baylor run defense and, and all that big – with all those big guys they've got up front, you're without at least uh, what had become the Sooners' mo- most important power back. We'll, we'll see, can Marcus Major fill that role in a game against Baylor? Uh, and, and you know what, Eric Gray, you mentioned it. He is one of the best in the Big 12. He's running better than a lot of players. But, you know, Baylor has their own outstanding running back. And Richard Reese, a freshman, uh, dozen rushing touchdowns, 12 rushing touchdowns to great games. Great start to a college career. And when we look at this Baylor offense, uh, they're going to test this, this OU defense. And, you know, OU defense is coming off a really good momentum builder of a game when they, you know, really holding Iowa State to one touchdown, uh, 13 points, really played well, really, you know, stopped the run game. But this is an Iowa, this is an Iowa State they're going to face again, Baylor's offense with Reese and a lot of veterans on that offensive line. No, I think, you know, there's, when we've talked about that, there's, there's balancing that performance against Kansas State, uh, excuse me, Iowa State. Because uh, that was probably the best Oklahoma's defense has looked in Big 12 play. Probably the best it's looked completely since UTEP, really. I mean, it's the first weekend of the season. But it was Iowa State. It was the the, the conference's least productive rushing attack that they contained. And, and the reality is, even with that performance holding them to 66 yards, Oklahoma still has, by, by yards per game tally, the, the worst run defense in the Big 12. And so now these are the games where they're going to get tested. It's going to be Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech down the stretch, and we'll see what how this defense holds up. I think if you want to look at what their quote unquote championship would be now for the Sooners team, other than getting that six win, making a bowl game, is probably where is this defense four games from now? And it starts this weekend. And, and as you mentioned with Richard Reese, like he he is running as well. Shoot, I said it with Eric Gray as well as anybody in the uh, in the conference, and and doing it as a freshman in a really tough league, and and Ted Roof. Ritt spoke really highly of him uh, earlier this week, and he's he's probably going to have to be like Xavier Hutchinson was last week, the, the priority number one, and stop him, and and maybe you, you're, you're halfway there, but uh, going to be a lot easier said than done. This is uh, kind of a revenge game, but you know what? The coaching staffs have changed, uh, but last year, Oklahoma went into Waco with a 17-game winning streak, led the nation's best 17-game winning streak. Lost 27 to 14. Uh, it was funny because it was 24 14 with just a couple seconds left. And uh, we thought the game was over. The fans jumped the walls, charged the field. Everyone was off the field. But no, Dave Aranda called timeout so he could get his field goal unit out there, kick what turned out to be really a meaningless field goal. There was no reason to kick it. Dave Aranda at the time thought that there were some Big 12 tiebreakers that he needed by scoring more points. Uh, really left a sour taste in Lincoln Riley's mouth. And Joe Castiglione, I remember he was on the sideline of this game just going nuts. I've never seen Joe Castiglione as animated as he was uh, because the players, 
And in the end, OU was all in the locker room. They had to ask 11 players, any 11, to come out and field the uh, the, um, the the field goal attempt to, to, to be on Here's defense. a question for you. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Can you name it? How many of the 11 can you name? I can name the first one out of the locker room. Brian Mead, Rejoice Christian here in Wausau. <laughs> Brian Mead was the first one out, came running out, charging out of the locker room. I do know that Damon Harmon was out on the field because we asked him in availability about him being out there. And I think Isaiah Coe may have been out there too. Uh, but it was just a, a ragtag group of 11. Come out here and play and then field this one field goal. And it was tough because, you know, all they got all the fans off the field. Kick the field goal, and here they come again. And and those OU players, they had to find their way to the locker room. It was on the other side of the field. It was just a mess. So I had an opportunity to talk to a couple of the players about that. And, of course, they remember it. But, of course, like they're what they're going to say is, you know, we're just looking forward to this year. That's in the past. You know, this is a big game. But I, I just wonder if there's a little bit, a little extra edge in, in these Oklahoma uh, players because of what happened. Well, you know, it's funny, the kind of the split mind of that is I asked Woody Washington about it, and I said something like some of those feelings still there from a year ago, and he gets, says, most definitely, <laughs> but it's not But it's not a revenge game. We're two very different teams now. <laughs> so, you know, I think they're, the guys who were there last year, and Reggie Grimes did point out that there's not a lot of guys, there's a whole lot of new guys who weren't on Team 127 on Team 128, uh, but I think for the guys who were there, there's no doubt there's there's some of that, uh, no matter what they're saying this week. Two o'clock kickoff this Saturday in Norman. The West Virginia game has been announced already. It'll be on FS1. Uh, kickoff is 11 a.m. next week. So another morning game. I think it's the sixth morning game in nine games for the Sooners. 11 a.m. They went from FS1 to ESPN Plus back to FS1. I know Oklahoma fans have been spoiled by ABC, ESPN, and uh, Fox, Big Fox. Uh, they're kind of bouncing around the dial a little bit, but we go back to five and three, and I think that's what it is. Uh, Michael Turk, also co-special teams player of the week, uh, had two huge punts, uh, kind of just doing a little house cleaning here, this part of the podcast. Two 61-yard punts, Eli, at crucial times. And and uh, I know uh, you got a chance to, you're, you're looking at doing something on Michael. I mean, he's, I think Oklahoma, you really need to really realize what kind of weapon that you have on that roster with Turk. I mean, he helped win them that game. So did Hunter Deckers throwing a couple late picks for Iowa State. But I think Brent Venables alluded to it yesterday that you can even credit those turnovers to where Michael Turk pinned Iowa State late in that game, uh, deep in its own territory and having to kind of change the approach because of that. He was massive then. He's really been massive all year. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm diving into um, writing about him from from some of the stuff he had to say after Iowa State and what folks you know within the program have said of late but he he's as critical I think a weapon uh as they have yeah. uh in in special teams that's for sure and, and and probably one you don't think of as much as you do Dylan Gabriel Marvin Mims and and so on so he was big and uh hey you know a shout out to the other special teamers Zach Schmidt uh running in that touchdown I wrote about that over the weekend uh but he was you know a what I asked him, you know, take away, strip away the fake field goal and how good they felt about it, how prepared they were. Uh, I'd have to look right now, but you're talking about at best a 200-pound kicker running into the oh yeah the heart up the middle at Iowa State, and that that's what made him chuckle. Was just that that thought, but he was pretty fearless, and uh, and that was a big touchdown. I th I think if they don't they kick there and, and it's just uh, would have been six three. That first half is very different. Maybe the whole game is different. So uh, 
They oh, win number five very much, much so owed to the special teams. Zach Schmidt officially on the game notes is 185 pounds. And I, I wonder if that's kind of adding, adding a little bit to that it. That might even be generous. And again, we're talking, <laughs> wasn't quite the Baylor, uh, the Iowa State defensive line, but I'm sure whoever they've got up there on field goal coverage is, is rather fierce. Uh, and <laughs> I'm good. I, you could give me the extra 30 pounds I'd need to get to 185, and I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, before we wrap this up, let's switch sports. We talked, you know, at the beginning, you talked about how this is all, we're starting to really, Puzzle everything together. Basketball, men's basketball, exhibition game last week, getting ready for the season opener. Uh, some news this week, too, on that coaching staff. Uh, interesting news, but just kind of fill us in on, on the men's basketball program, Eli. Yeah, so the Sooners would have had their secret, inverted commas, secret uh, scrimmage over the weekend with Oregon and, and Las Vegas. Uh, and then last night, it was, what, about 6 o'clock? Um, release comes, you know, saying that, that Matt Brady has uh, an assistant coach Porter Moser brought in over the summer from Maryland, um, has re- resigned from his position, citing personal reasons. It was a pretty terse, brief statement from, from OU. Hasn't been a whole lot else about it, but certainly the timing uh, of it is curious. Six days before the, the no- November 7th opener with Sam Houston. And the other part, though, is, um, you know, He's been spoken of so highly uh, since arriving. He got here in June. Uh, Porter Moser had two openings to fill, and, and Matt Brady was one of them, and they went back. And, and last week, Porter Moser spoke uh, about, you know, how many years he'd known Matt, run into him, um, you know, at AU events and, and on the recruiting trail, and they always just kind of started talking ball. And, and now that he had him here, he had a former head coach. Uh, he'd been a head coach uh, at, at two different stops. Um, having that on the bench and knowing what – having an assistant who knew the job Porter had mattered to him and the players were, were fond of him. He was, he had become known as the shot doctor uh, working on guys jumpers. And so um, certainly interesting timing, all that I'm sure we'll learn more, but that sort of uh, was an interesting little, little bit of news here as, as Sooners get ready to tip off next week. And, and the women, meanwhile, they, they tip off right before the men Monday. Exhibition game Thursday night against Emporia State before hitting the ground running Monday night against Oral Roberts. Uh, Jenny Bronchek, uh, I, I still remember this time last year with Jenny. You, know, you just didn't know what you were going to get. That This Oklahoma women's pro- program was really hurting, really trying to find itself. And lo and behold, they go 25-9, and nine, uh, get to the NCAA tournament, and uh, the majority of this team's back. I mean, Maddie Williams, Taylor Robertson, you get a healthy Anna Lanusa. Uh, this is going to be a fun team to watch. And uh, I'm just curious to see how much they've grown. Uh, ranked 15th, I think, uh, in the AP Top 25 poll. So they, they there's a lot of high expectations on this team. Uh, you know, 15 in the AP poll and they're fourth in the Big 12 poll. That tells you the strength of the league. Uh, and, and, you know, Iowa State's going to be really, really tough this year. And, you know, Baylor's not the favorite for the first time in so many years. But Oklahoma, I think, is going to have a hand in, in this race, in the Big 12 race. And kind of excited just to see game uh, the second second year of the Ginny Peroncheck era. And uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, another thing came out this year, softball. The softball schedule came out this morning, too. And I know there are a lot of uh, softball fans excited about the opportunity to, um, to uh, follow the Sooners, who's going to try to win third consecutive national championship. I think the, the game that stuck out to me the most on this football, on this softball schedule, excuse me, was Florida State coming to Norman. Uh, it would be their first game since playing in the, the championship series a couple of years ago. So uh, Oklahoma, they don't shy from competition. And 
And I, I'm excited about seeing these Sooners and seeing Patty Gasso and her team and what they can do. Uh, it's hard to believe we're talking softball. It was the month of November. Unbelievable. And but, but, meanwhile, baseball's got some kind of scrimmage today. It's all coming, man. It's yeah, all coming. I mean, you think about baseball and softball, you're like, we're three months away. We're, we're close. Oof. We're going to come back from winter break. And they're <laughs> as soon as the semester starts in January, they're going to hit the ground running. And we'll be talking spring sports, uh, even gymnastics, women's gymnastics, men's gymnastics. Everything's starting to really come together. Let's give a shout out to the women's soccer program, too. Uh, uh, really got a big win. Uh, I think they got TCU next. Um, big win for the Sooners, though, uh, to turn around in, 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 in Big 12 tournament play. Uh, so there, there's just a lot going on right now. It's a lot of fun for Oklahoma. And uh, we'll, we'll, Eli and I, I guess we'll, we'll be here through it all, right? We'll be all over it. And going back to the women's basketball, between Iowa State, Texas, Baylor, and OU, there's going to be some really incredible conference games this year. And it might, I would, from, from the conversations I had, if you remember in, in Kansas City about shifting away from this round robin like, let's enjoy the fact that we're going to get two of the, you know, each of those teams are going to play twice uh, in what might be for a while the last year of seeing this, because yeah. that, that's going to be some really, really good hoops. And we know we'll get it on the men's side, too. Yes. All right. Well, Eli, thanks for your time. Again, this is the Tulsa World uh, Podcast. We do this every week. You can find it on Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever, whatever platform you use. Eli and I will be back next week to revisit the Baylor game and then look forward to West Virginia as we uh, go through the final part of this football season.